Hi, it's Janelle. This is Marissa. This is Shade, and you're listening to Fat Pink Cast. A Complain of Thrones podcast. <laughs> We're back. Hello. Hello. Um, so tonight's episode is basically going to be about, mostly about San Diego Comic Con, but first, we're going to get a couple ravens out of the way. And the Westerosi ravens. Yeah. The first couple um, of ravens are about, do you want to talk about the Wall Street Journal article first? Uh, sure. Uh, Robin Kawakami is a journalist with the Wall Street Journal. She blogs for Speakeasy, which is their entertainment blog. On August 5th, she did publish an article called George R. R. Martin Addresses Racial Diversity on Game of Thrones, which is one of the first times that a germ, like there was ever an article on something like the Wall Street Journal talking about racial diversity on Game of Thrones. I mean, io9 has written about it briefly and interviewed him, but not like a big you know, outlet like the Wall, Wall Street, Street Journal. Journal. Mm-hmm. And when I think diversity and progressive representation of POC, I think the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> and Wall Street in general. And Wall Street <laughs> in general, right? You know, Wall Street yeah. is built on a um, slave burial ground, supposedly. Really? Oh, I think it's got to ruin Wall Street for me, Janelle. I don't know. I don't know if it's a slave. <laughs> I don't know if it's a burial ground or it's just like where mass graves were, you know. You know, one of those things, they could call it a burial ground, but you probably know it's like they probably had mass graves and just threw slaves in there. But yeah, there's like thousands. It's built on. Yeah. It's oddly symbolic. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh. Built on the backs of it's the, 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 fat, the financial capital of our country. Right. Built on the backs <laughs> of like dead black people. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's Wall Street for you. So it's interesting because the article actually quotes directly from Germ's live journal mm-hmm. like his live journal is the source so there was a comment from a fan who the wall street journal identifies as an african-american female um let me get her name though i think it's important that we actually get her name even if it's just a screen name right samara 21 you are awesome samara 21 says i love game of thrones but the lack of diversity really hurts and she says that she watched the panel at san diego comic-con no one asked the question that was on my heart I'm an African-American female, and I've been a devoted fan of Game of Thrones since the beginning, but the lack of diversity in both the show and books has been really troubling lately. With the state of racial equality currently in the world and the people that have been trying to push back, I am extremely sad that I cannot include my favorite Game of Thrones as an example of Hollywood starting to change how race is depicted. Wow. She goes on to talk about how Masande is really the only black woman with a speaking role and that she is getting a romantic storyline, which is cool, but it hasn't been enough. And then she talks about how when she cosplays, she has to cosplay as black Daenerys. And she also talks about um, Diobia Opere, who we'll talk about later, and this idea that like Arya Hota and other black characters in the series are servants, guards, or charlatans. Nice. You are awesome, Samira. Is it Samira? Samira, you're Samara, awesome. 21. Samara, I you're awesome. I know what I'm expecting, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm feeling this that feeling this way really hurts. Mm. Still my favorite show. Whenever I figure out how you all hire set and crew, I will fight to the death of any position, anything to help my favorite show ever. Mm. So of course Germ's response is well, in the books. Oh, God. He's such a... Germ's response. Westeros around 300 AC is nowhere near as diverse as 21st century America, of course. Oh, my God. He's so 
Westeros, Westeros with dragons. It's in your imagination. So you're basically saying that your imagination isn't as diverse. Your imagination doesn't have any When you're saying that, Westeros around 300 AC isn't a real place. It's in your imagination. It's like literally like every other white White. author. Yeah. I'm so mad I gave him any credit. Authors too. I'm not going to. Sorry, I just... I just not all white people, did, didn't I? What did you say? <laughs> did you, what did you say? I said, well, there's some ally white authors, too. It's not I mean, like because you're white, you suddenly okay. suck at writing diversity. Right, right, right. No, you, you know what? That's right. But because right. I feel, you're right, because I feel like we're giving an excuse and being like, oh, of course white people are going to so be like this. He sucks at this. No, right. like, you can actively work on being good at this if right. you want to craft. And he doesn't want to. Well... He says then, that being said, I do have some, and he puts it in quotations, characters of color. Oh, jeez. Does he even know what it means? Who, no, I mean, last time we, we interacted with him, he thought that just meant black people, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, who will have somewhat larger roles in Winds of Winter. Admittedly, these are secondary and tertiary characters, though not without importance. Oh, please. Well, he did add, like, a woman of color and the princess and the queen. I wonder if that was response to the fan commentary or if that was just yes this side this side story that has nothing to do with the show and it's like okay me uh it's like the special commoner who could tame the dragons right no it's just funny to me because apparently like calling out his unconscious racism is apparently worse than him actually like thinking that he's doing us a favor by adding certain characters mm-hmm. which aren't even good representations of like right. the two women of color in the two black women in the second book right who got cut from the show admittedly yeah it's great they're badass and everything but they're also prostitutes like yeah mm-hmm. and then the other you know people of color which is very minimal they're like slavers they're like Real, like, people who worship a god of sex, like... With 16 teats or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, 16 teats. just embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, and then there's the stuff he endorses. Like, that calendar with the black slave tending to Danny and, like, kneeling right. at her feet. That's just gross, man. Well, we've been through all this before. Yeah. Um, and the, I'm actually not done reading his thing. I want to read oh, the rest of his response. Wait, wait, wait. There's yeah. something I wanted to say about the... Okay, never mind. I can't remember what it was. I'm going to keep going. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Of course. I am talking about the books here, and you are talking about the show, which is a thing apart. No, it's not. They are (laughs) literally the same when it comes to diversity. Like, what I want to say is that I think, like, he gets a lot of credit for being um, anti-tropey, whatever, but Mm -hmm. his, his, like, the way he deals with race is the old color are still yeah. really trippy. They're still mm-hmm. really trippy. Kind of yeah. Winds of Winter excerpt, which we have a podcast on we need to put up. Yeah. Yeah, and the way they describe the lady, I don't remember her name now, but the way the Westerosi were like talking about her in this super gross sexualized way. Mm-hmm. They about her vulva or something, right? Like, right. Like, is she, I wonder if she's pink between the legs too. Her imagination germ. <laughs> To develop, okay, if it's if it's not because you don't really feel that way about people of color, it's for the purposes of developing a white male character. Mm. That you're going to, like, objectify women of color? Okay. No, but, and the other thing is that it reminds me of that um, artist recently, really famous artist, Kara Walker, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm so mad we missed the exhibit, but yeah. she had this, like, this image of this, like, it was like a black 
like hypersexualized sphinx like um in the image of a black woman and so it's like her vulva is exposed and her breasts are exposed and she's and made she's, out of sugar i believe and is she's she made, made out of sugar, sugar? yeah and right? her face is character you know like she has the like the, the very exaggerated features like big lips and everything and it's a commentary on like the way you know black women are hypersexualized and the way they are kind of treated like like produce you know like Mm -hmm. the way sugar is treated it's you know it's it's like it's a very complex topic right but like it just when I see something like that and when I read that description of that woman or any of his characters of color in his books it just screams like it just makes me so angry (laughs) you know like in a way that it didn't before I think I was trying to convince myself that it wasn't as fetishizing as I as I initially thought or Maybe I just didn't recognize it. I didn't know. I like wasn't educated enough to really realize how bad it actually was. You know, mm-hmm. it took D and D to illuminate right? the awfulness, <laughs> man. <laughs> okay, I'm not done, man. Yeah. He goes. I do think that HBO and David and Dan are doing what they can to promote oh. diversity <laughs> as well. <laughs> as witness the casting of Area Hotta, which you mention. I guess Area wasn't person of color in the books then or i don't understand oh well he of course Hota is a guard but he is also a viewpoint character in the novels a brave and loyal warrior like good on game of thrones for adding a character who is a guard who is a brave and loyal warrior who is black because they don't already have a character like that on the show right it's like every other black character is exactly like that do you think they will um Focus on Area Hota's penis as much as they focus on Grey Worm's penis. <laughs> no, they'll just have him. I just I won't. I won't say it. But it's so funny that he points him out as like a change warrior. Yeah, he's still in a role of servitude. Like Jeremy's no, no, just... no. But it's it's you know he's he's there to serve different characters at least <laughs> they're not all white this time some of them are poc he's serving the lighter skinned this <laughs> no. reminds me of exodus oh my so, god that is, right. oh shit oh, oh, oh god but yeah you know like it's like oh yeah sure it's so innovative for like there to be like a loyal black character who's there to like serve the white people and like prop them up and like give them advice that never happens in the you know, entirety of ever. <sighs> the, on, in fandom, like what the fanboys call Arihota, uncharitably, is they call him, they call, they call him the camera that rides. <laughs> it's just like, a, like the mountain that rides. Mm. Because like the interpretation of him like as a literary character is that he's a literary device to show what's going on in Dorne without giving us a POV of the sand snakes since that would reveal too much of the complex plans. Right. So when Ariane isn't able to be present, then Ario is present, but he doesn't really have that much inner commentary about the proceedings. He's very much like a documentarian. Right. And so he is probably the least developed point of view character that Germ has ever written, and that's why he is given the name The Camera That Rides. Lazy. Lazy. It's lazy writing. <laughs> lazy as hell. Come I mean, at it's, me. a, it's a cool device, man. If you're, if you're stuck in this like, rut where you're like, okay, all my characters in this scene, I cannot make POVs because they're too entrenched in this plot and I don't want the readers to catch on yet, then 
okay, you create this character and he's just a guard and you get a perspective from a commoner and mm. he's like just kind of watching. And he's also like a foreigner to Dorne so you can do some exposition. Like that all makes sense, but don't make that the POV character who... Because wasn't there another POV character who was a person of color? She was like a princess or something. Hmm. And she was a player in the Game of Thrones. Who? I'm not sure. Oh, Ariane. Talking about. <laughs> Why did I seriously? <laughs> ask? Oh wait, you were serious. I was being sarcastic. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I was like, wait, who is? Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. For you a second, like, I thought I had missed something. Who's Ar- Who's Ariane? Oh my god. I don't get you it. <laughs> she's uh, she's gonna be. There was a rumor that like Caius. Soldero is gonna play her. She's a white Brazilian, well, half Gosh. Brazilian from uh, Skins. Yeah, she's way younger than the other Sand Snakes they cast too, isn't she? Yeah, I don't. They want her to play Katniss. Uh, a whole fan thing. <laughs> yeah. But there's more to this article because the journalist writes Asians represent another group largely absent from the books and the HBO show, and then they talk about the Nymeria casting, which we'll get to. In June 2014, a fan asked Martin, there are a white race, a black race in the world of A Song of Ice and Fire, and many other races. Why is there no Asian race, Chinese-like, Japanese-like, in Game of Thrones? They're all in E.T. chilling. You know, totally. So Martin <laughs> says, Martin says, this is oh, and this is a Everlight, by the way, from Google+. And then his, his comment was called, Sad About Asians. Me too, buddy. Germ says, Well, Westeros is the fantasy analog of the British Isles in oh, its world. Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> away from the Asia analog. What? There are a lot of Asians in Does Yorkish he... England either. Where is Danny in the analog of the, the world then? Exactly. What's... what's uh, Essos, what's that analog? Help me. Um, Essos is an amalgamation of cultures that aren't white. Middle Eastern stereotypes. Yeah, Middle Eastern stereotypes. My Dornish sad camel and ride away. Okay, that is not to suggest that such places don't exist, however. You will want to get the world of ice and fire. so full of crap. In the quote-unquote other places section. Other places, just one when the other rising, you know what I mean. Hey, uh, hey, Marissa, you will find- Marissa, Marissa, remember? Finish. Wait, wait, remember? Rage. Wait, remember when Jerem assumed you were black? <laughs> yeah, because that was Sorry. racist. Keep going. <laughs> okay, you will find a lot of material about Yeti. The island of Lang. I knew he was going to say that. The plains of Jogos Nye, which you may find of interest. <laughs> then he froze the comment so you can't respond. I don't think. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. It's not just us. Like, random fans are getting on his live journal and, and writing about how they're disappointed in diversity. And the Wall Street Journal is actually reading these comments and highlighting them. I'm surprised. Which is amazing. And- Links to Saladin Ahmed's Is Game of Thrones Too White? Which is, you know, it's an editorial written by the guy who wrote Throne of the Crescent Moon. Yeah, I haven't actually read that yet. It's on my list, though. Oh, oh, I actually read like an, an excerpt from it. Um, yeah, I mean, like other fantasy authors ca- called him out, too. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. actually, it's really ironic. The last 
response to the quote from Germ is about Pedro Pascal's casting, and it's it's Germ's response to my comment on his live journal. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I do know that Dan and David from HBO favor having a racially and ethnically diverse cast yeah, in the no series. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> we lost several black characters who appear in the novels, like Strong Bell Wallace, Jablar Zoe, and Shataya, and all All of them were cut. <laughs> But to balance that, characters like Salador San and Zarazo and Daxos, both white in the books, have been played by black actors. Missanda is as well, though in the books, Ananthi are golden-skinned, not white. And then the journalist ends the article with, readers, what do you think? I think he's a racist piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Well, it's finding out, like, that Uncle George is racist. Like, <laughs> sucks, man. Like, hey, here's an idea. Um, maybe instead of making excuses for why there's new diversity, you could advocate for diversity. Exactly. And don't tell the Asian guy to read the book, World of Ice and Fire's Other Places, like. Yeah, appendix. what the fuck? Is- because do you know who wrote that book? <sighs> That um, book is co-authored by Linda, who is, who is like really obviously racist, blatantly racist. racist on the internet, and like has written screeds about how she wants Westeros to be like completely all white. I wasn't even gonna get into the sexist part. Mm-hmm. Sexist, misogynist. Oh, she's also calling people she? I don't know. She's all the things. She actually explains a lot about germs responses i mean i don't know if he interacts with anybody who could even give him our perspective yeah like if your friends around you are blatantly racist and you're still like pandering to them and stuff and co-authoring with them i'm still i'm gonna assume that you're exactly like them yeah Mm -hmm. because you could call them out you could you could tell her to stop or you could just not be her fucking friend anymore yeah could you could do a lot of things not not give her co-authorship yeah so that's that article. And it'll be interesting to see if um, Robin Kawakami continues to cover this subject on the Wall Street Journal. I hope so, because I think it's a really important conversation to have, especially since the show has gotten so popular and so many people are watching this really distorted, racist, sexist, like, drivel on TV now. Uh, if you downloaded this podcast expecting us to... Gosh filleting it or something no yeah sorry <laughs> no i'm not sorry actually i'm not sorry because <laughs> i'm not sorry nobody's sorry yeah you know what that's one thing um i don't know if we can use this to transition into comic-con but that's one thing about comic-con that made me so frustrated was watching panels and where people would ask like what shows are you watching right now that's really amazing and like everyone was saying game of thrones and i'm like are you shitting me like there's no better television on tv right now is that what you want me to believe like people just like yeah i'm watching game of thrones it's really amazing right now yeah like what the fuck it's like the emperor's the emperor's new clothes. Have you read that parable? And so, are we like the child, the precocious child, the precocious child who's like, hey, you know, the emperor is actually I naked. Like it. I don't know if we're that preco- We're like not that innocent though. I feel like the precocious child was like really innocent. Yeah. You know, the preco- he was like, oh, guys, but he is naked. 
You know, we're like, that asshole is naked. <laughs> I feel like there's a difference. Yeah. But and it's not easy to be in the position of the person going like, well, actually, can we, like, examine this a little bit more? Yeah. But I think, I don't know if anyone, I've ever hear, heard anyone be like, oh, yeah, it's great writing. They're usually like, oh, yeah, the shows, you know, the visuals, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I can't understand how people can watch it and be like so okay with it like I think even Carrie Washington talks about watching it and I'm like you really have to turn off turn off your brain completely to be able to enjoy this because like it's really like blatantly sexist Mm -hmm. even if the the racial like I don't know ignorance didn't turn you off like it's really sexist you guys I don't know Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. Well, you're not going to get any disagreement from us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about the new uh, castings. Hi, I'm Alexander Sadig, and uh, I'm really, really excited to be playing Doran Martell in uh, Game of Thrones. I'm Toby Sebastian, and I'm playing Tristane Martel. People all over the world dream of being a part of this. So for me, as an actor, being cast alongside these fantastic people is um, just really as good as it gets. Hi, my name is Nels Ivory. I'm going to be playing Marcella Baratheon. I'm absolutely ecstatic to be given such an amazing opportunity. And I think it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge, but a really big adventure. Hi, my name is Deobia Opere, and I'm going to be playing the part of Aero Hota. I'm looking forward to being a part of this incredible production. I'm completely stoked. Bring it on. My name is Enzo Cilenti, and I'm playing Yezan. I am frothing with excitement to be part of this epic, epic series. Hi, Comic-Con. My name is Jessica Hennick, and I will be playing Nymeria Sam. What do I like most about my character? Her weapons. (laughs) Hi, I'm Rosabelle Laurenti Sellers, but in Game of Thrones, I'm Tyene Sand. I can't wait to get on set, but in the meantime, I'm practicing with my double daggers. I'm Keisha Castle-Hughes, and I'll be playing the role of Obara Sand. I'm super excited to be on the show. I can hardly contain myself. My name's Jonathan Price, and I will be playing High Sparrow. And I'm very excited to be joining the cast of Game of Thrones with this new and fascinating character. Yeah, so you guys called Doran Martell. We totally yeah. did. We've been calling it for... You know what I think, though? It's probably to, like, placate the masses. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they... What do- masses, though? All these people <laughs> wanted him to be played by, like, Antonio Banderas or something. Doran? Really? Yeah, you haven't seen that dreamcasting? I thought it was Oberyn they wanted Antonio for. I don't know, man. People want Antonio Banderas for everything. <laughs> yeah, just- no, I think... I think Indira was to Oberyn as... You know, 
um, Alexander Siddig is to the rest of the Sand Snakes, the casting for the Martells, like they did it to distract from the fact, like, because remember when Deere got casted, everyone was like, oh my God, so amazing. A fan favorite actually got cast. It distracted from the fact that Pedro definitely should not have been considered to play Oberyn, right? I feel like the same thing is being done in this case where everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, Alexander Siddig, while ignoring the fact that fucking Tristan, what, what is that? What is that? The casting for the rest of the Sand Snakes is rather messy, if you ask me. Right. So it's like, I want to be happy, but a part of me just feels like there's something really sinister, un- like underlying. I just don't fucking trust Nina Gold. Nina Gold ain't shit, as far as I'm concerned. So. Yeah, what's interesting is that Alexander Sadeg is the only, actually, North African actor. I think he's originally from Sudan. So yeah, he's playing Doran, which, you know, I'm happy about, as happy as I can be. And I remember we wanted, like, basically either, you know, North African actors or actors who could probably pass as North African, but yeah, we didn't really get that for most of these people. But um, there are some interesting castings. We did, we also called uh, Obara... Or I call wait, wait, wait. I want to say Alexander Sadeg is something interesting, though, because I actually started watching DS9 mm-hmm. for the first time, and apparently he was supposed to play Cisco. What? Initially, yeah, before he was cast as Bashir, and interestingly enough, Bashir was initially written to be Latino. Interesting. So, yeah. Hmm. Well. Well, anyhow, um, <laughs> it's really weird to watch him being, like, young and sprightly and, like, Bashir-like, mm-hmm. and then be like, oh my god, that's Doran Martell now. <laughs> He's, like, being all awkward and, like, hitting on ladies on DS9. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. I barely remember that show. I think I've seen, like, a couple episodes, but anyway. Oh. Um, all right. You were saying Obara. Yes. So we called Obara, or I called Obara. I what did it you was say the, about Obara? I, when um, the rumor was that... Um, oh, Keisha name? Castle-Hughes. Keisha Castle-Hughes. Yeah. Was rumored to be on the cast. I was like, oh, she's probably playing Obara, even though we imagined Obara to be more like built like Brienne. Mm-hmm. But like I said, they're going to sexualize all of them. So they can't sexualize a woman who is built like Brienne, right? Or they can, can find they? a way. It's Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's freaking Game of Thrones, man. Um, I mean, maybe they won't sexualize her. Maybe she really will, you know, bulk up and be Obara Sand. Yeah. So who 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 knows? So oh, I sound like uh, like please please don't do this Game of Thrones. Who knows? You might not suck this season. So <laughs> she's also a person of color. She's Maori um, from from New Zealand? New Zealand. She's indigenous New Zealander. One of the youngest people ever to be nominated for an Oscar. Right, and I think we covered that already. Yeah, but- and look at her career. Let me tell you, if she was white, she wouldn't even be on Game of Thrones because she'd be a movie star. That's it. <laughs> I just want to get Maybe. I mean, she did have... She'd be J-Law. Yeah. She did have yeah. a couple of problems. Like, she had a kid really young, and, like, she and her boyfriend, I don't know, there was, like, some personal problems that she had. Oh, really? Yeah, but... So I did not know. Yeah, but, I mean, the fact that she is a person of color probably did not work well in her favor. I mean, she could have been Katniss, for goodness sakes, you know? Yeah. Hell Yeah. It's interesting the casting we got for Nymeria, too. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I never thought this day would happen, you guys. <laughs> never thought that someone like me would be in Charm's masterpiece. But I have to say, too, wasn't there a casting call for Nymeria explaining how she had darker skin than her light-skinned dad? I feel like that was definitely something that was on Winter's Coming on Night. Oh, really? 
Here's the article, though, uh, from Winter's Coming. The casting call for Nymeria. Nymeria is mixed race. Her father is the fair Oberyn, and her mother is darker skinned. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if they ended up going with that. I don't think so. But no, I mean, they didn't. She's going to be a hypersexualized Asian woman because. Yeah, right? She's supposed to be. That'll bi. be just, you know, defying tropes and stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll handle her bisexuality as uh, gracefully as whatever. <laughs> oh my god! You know, someone messaged us asking us if we were watching season five. They're like, "I know it's a long way away," and I'm just like, "Of course we're watching it. We are hate watching." It. <laughs> okay, so you know that we watched, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. interestingly enough, this is like probably my second favorite casting out of uh, the Sand Snakes. I don't know. Yeah, I, it was different. I mean, yeah. not Stan Snakes, but House Martell in general. Like, she's my first, she's my favorite casting so far of the Stan mm-hmm. Snakes. The rest mm. of them, I'm like, eh. Well, yeah. Keisha Castle Hughes. Keisha Castle Hughes. Yeah, but it's, it's like weird that she's playing Obara, you know? Maybe yeah. they'll change it to Ariana at the last minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tie in Sand. What happened? It's so <laughs> funny because she's not even blonde, but she's still white. Yeah, right. Lady Martell by Ilaria Sand, fiercer than she looks, especially with her twin daggers. They kind of, they, is she just gonna I like? Dario had twin daggers. Is she <laughs> boob daggers? I don't know, but it's interesting to me that that's how they describe her, as opposed to the way she's describing the where she's deceptively innocent. They could have said deceptively innocent, right? It just it makes their it's weird how, how they, they just. Like, her wits and seductive powers is less of a physical fighter than other sand snakes. Just as deadly, but her weapon is poison. So, I don't know why. The, there's the whole thing with twin daggers, though. It's so much cooler. than Like, if you're a strong lady, you need boob daggers. And did you, this is a spoiler, but did you read, she has, like, an altercation? I'm like, that's not going along with her character. She doesn't, like... Have altercations. She's a politician. Yeah. She's like a cleric. Yeah. She's not who you send out. I don't know. I mean, they changed it. And they cast who isn't Latino and isn't South Asian to play um, Oberyn and Ilaria's daughter. Yeah. So, okay. She's white. Are you sure she's... <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was like, wait, they'd have to be sure. I was like, are you sure she's Ilaria's daughter? <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. It's, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it kind of doesn't make any sense. I can see why people are like, this casting's completely incongruous. Except for, like, Nymeria. You know, her mother's Asian. And Nymeria. And her father. Eh, I don't know, because I wanted to see more, like, dark-skinned woman of color. But then I'm like, oh, an Asian. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yeah. I mean, we an, there was an Asian woman. There was Indira Varma. But, like... You know, like another one. Hey, hey. Yeah. This isn't this so interesting. It's funny because I started following. Um, it, it's funny because usually when they think of representation for like Asians, it's usually like East Asian, right? Mm-hmm. So like on more of the paler side. Mm-hmm. And I recently started like I follow a bunch of fashion blogs, and I started following one um, for Indonesian models. Mm-hmm. And cool. most of them have like yeah I mean yeah it's totally exposing me to like the fashion over there which is really really good and most of them are like of the dark of darker skin and it just yeah. made me think of um 
of totally like going on tangent for a different fandom, the Sailor Moon fandom, there's one character, Sailor Pluto, who has darker skin that, you know, the fandom never, ever in fan art very rarely draws her darker skin. And there was this huge debate because they were like, well, she's mixed race. And, you know, Naoko, who's the creator of the series, said that she's mixed with Romani and all this stuff. And and then like someone like came out and was like, "Uh, okay, this is not true. Like she never said this. And like the fact that you guys see one character who's darker skin and automatically assume that she's not Asian says more about you than it does about the <laughs> fact that like you know what I mean and I just thought about that like that is so fucking true because darker skin Asian people do exist naturally so mm-hmm. so it's like why are people so reluctant to see that form of you know of Asian that yeah that form of Asianness of ones with a deep with a deeper you know skin tone it's just I don't know and, you know, there's actually Asians who have really dark skin um, that we don't see in the media. Um, like the that. name that white Americans used to refer to them or that, that, that like, white anthropologists used to refer to them is um, unfortunately kind of racist. They're called Negrito. Neg- Negrito. Negrito. Yeah. But, um, you know, in, in the Philippines, in Malaysia, in Thailand, these are actually right. people, like, whose skin tone is as dark as people in Africa's. Yeah. But biologically, like in terms of their genetics, they're actually like very biologically distinct from Africans. And it's really interesting, but they still have the same gene that codes for really dark skin. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not who we think of when we think of Asian Americans. But there right. are Asian Americans with with really dark skin, inc- including um, Taiwanese people with really dark skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't see that when we when we think of Asian people right. and certainly not in casting because there's no I room mean, for that kind of nuance <laughs> it's it's like you know they could have done all white people so two out of three okay um, <laughs> am I supposed to be happy or not yeah and then Shut there's shit. Tristane yeah and then there's Tristane that, was messy. Uh, that is so messy oh my goodness I'm like gossip girl reject yeah Sorry. I mean even if even if he's not white, he's white passing. And they got rid of um, what's her face, Amy Richardson. Yeah, they did. Marcella. And and Tristane is the heir to Dorn. <gasps> yeah, I hope he gets burned in Marine, and then oh his younger God. sister is Ariane. That's what I'm hoping. I just I can't. Well, they already like removed all references of Dorn being a matriarchy from yeah yeah from season four. So good going, guys. Hey, so, how about this one? Jonathan Price as the High Sparrow. Is the High Sparrow? I couldn't remember if he was supposed to be a person of color. No, he's, he's probably. But Jonathan Price is most famous in my eyes. Obviously not for um, you know, being the guy who did Yellowface in Miss Saigon. <gasps> oh, <gasps> Jonathan Price. Okay, now he's also been the president in GI Joe too. He's oh. pretty good at being Destro in GI Joe too. Wow. Oh, and he was Colonel Perón and Evita with Madonna. Interesting. He was Kira Knightley's dad in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. I will never forgive him for the yellow face chip. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, either. no, don't. Why? Oh, well, he'll be the, he'll be the Pope, the Westeros Pope. And poor Amy Richardson tweeting about how, like, she and Ariane can join the Rejected Princesses Club. Yeah. They did her dirty. Yeah, they did. Like... She was fine. Who's yeah. Nell Tiger? I have no idea. Is she not old enough? How old is she? No, she's old enough. She's, she's older fine. than the new one. 
She's older yeah. than the new one. The new one's a year younger. And then, okay, Arya Hota, Ndiobia Opere, renowned for his loyalty and his long axe. And his penis. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't gone there, it might not. Can, do you want to have a... We can have a bet. Okay, so will they make a crack at his dick? <laughs> well, no. Make this betting pool in hopes they will prove us wrong. So does anyone want to bet against making the dick joke? <laughs> I feel kind of it. even suggesting they might do this. Jesus. Yeah, me I mean, they probably... And like, shit. I'm just like... I'm just, I was just, it was just because they kept saying things about Grey Worm's dick. Like, every episode with Grey Worm was like Dude, a, he'd don't, have a, like, joke fest. Don't Jesus. put it, don't put it past them. <laughs> There's probably going to be some references to them sleeping with, I don't know. I mean, just look at, like, what they did with Salad or Sand. They, like, changed his race and suddenly he's, like, in bathtubs with ladies and, like, wanting to <laughs> bang Cersei because she's blonde. Like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be messy. Um, is there anything else? Other casting news? There were just three Sandshanks, right? Um, I don't, we don't think Sorella has been, I wouldn't be surprised if they cut Sorella too, actually. Maybe they'll introduce her later on. And she'll be white. <laughs> no. <laughs> she'll, be, uh, she'll be like light, light, light cedar teak or something. Yeah. <laughs> like Jerem saying she was light brown. Right? And, and even though he said dark as teak in the books. Teak isn't that dark. Well, they're different types. I know. I mean, like well, it'd be funny. She's gonna be like part summer island. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I'd be, I'd be like about teak, and I don't think I'm that light. So, I don't know. What about Enzo Salenti as Yezen, the slave trader? Uh, I don't even remember. The, oh, was he supposed to be really fat? I think so. And yeah. they get the skinny guy. <laughs> the skinny He's Italian and British. Yeah, they get the skinny look good looking guy to play him. I mean, I guess they don't want to like perpetuate stereotypes. Oh, about, he was like, in Guardians of the Galaxies. What did he play in Guardians of the Galaxy? Was? I don't know. Yeah. He was Watchtower Guard in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. Yeah, so irrelevant then. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> because <laughs> I saw that movie and I do not remember him. Is he the guy who calls him a bunch of assholes? I don't know. Hmm. Oh, we're missing some people like the waif who they also want to make East Asian and some septas, Maggie the frog, who I bet you anything will be white. Oh, they didn't announce those yet. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. But that's Game of Thrones. Can we talk about something else now? Yes, please, yes. God, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to mm -hmm. San Diego Comic Con. Yes, tell us about it. And uh, how was your panel? Oh, yeah. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay? Just okay? Really? Just okay? <laughs> no, it was... I thought you meant just Comic-Con in general. No, San Diego Comic-Con was great. I liked my panel. Um, Yay. Trying to get footage of it online because our camera died. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, but, um, I'm going to try. I think somebody else had a camera, and we're going to try and work with them. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was actually kind of ironic because I had this idea, like, let's have an all-woman panel. Mm -hmm. You know, that's almost never done at Comic-Con except for the woman who kicks ass panel. And last year, that panel was, you know, booed and people said all these horrible racist and sexist things. So let's have an all-woman panel about comics. And then it turned out there was like 12 all-woman panels. Wow. So, yeah, there is a lot. And I'm thinking next year an all-POC panel is more in order because there's not very many of those. There's only one of those. 
the usual. women the women kick ass panel was um disappointing this year yeah i think there's a reason last year's panel wasn't put online and that's because they said too many things that were the truth yeah yeah I, that's what i was saying yep that's the reason because this yeah we can talk about that later tell us about your experience um you know it's comic con you know, <laughs> even though this woman who kicks ass panel wasn't as intense as last year's, there were still people in the audience, according to Kat, who was in the room, mm-hmm. saying shit like, why is this panel going on in this room? Like, women talk too much, you know, like, mm-hmm. they weren't sitting close enough for the people in front to hear this time, mm-hmm. but there were still people like that. And I'm it's close. like, just take a bathroom break, go buy some nachos, no one's making <laughs> There are 45-minute long bathroom passes. You can skip almost the entire panel. Man, there was a time I used to think that geek guys were automatically better than regular ones. <laughs> Those days are gone. Those days are <laughs> so gone. They are not. They are the worst. They are the worst. Anyway, um, yeah, I heard, I mean, it was disappointing because there weren't, there weren't enough people. There weren't enough women of color. There's only Nicole Bahari. She, ba- she barely spoke. And it's hard to be the only person holding down the fort. Yeah, I really felt for her on that panel because, I don't know, it was messy. The only person, I mean, I really liked um, Sarah from American Horror Story Coven, and I liked Maisie. I think she did it really well. But Katie Seagal and Natalie Dormer just weren't fucking cutting it for me. Sarah Paulson was also 12 Years a Slave, right? She plays that horrific white woman character oh yeah so that's really interesting to me too is how how aware she was of what it meant when she was playing that role yeah because it's not something we talk about like white women complicity in slavery mm-hmm. right. it was interesting she was like the only one she was like encouraging i think nicole to talk mm-hmm. i was kind of annoyed by natalie Dormer to be honest because <laughs> we felt like she cut people off yeah, yeah she did and she did so repeatedly and we got it was between me janelle and was we it um rebecca it. yes and um so much white tears up on our posts like and i'm like it's they, so funny this is a conversation swore? of three between three black women conversation between three black women about the representation of black women and the way we are constantly being uh, like women of color are being mar- marginalized by white their fellow white colleagues and everyone, yo, you would have thought that we had, like, announced that she was, like, I don't know, a murderer or something. That she was, like, spreading chlamydia to the masses. Like, yeah. <laughs> like The one I thought was the most interesting was the one lady who was like, well, I'm an author, and I've been on panels. Let me tell you how panels work. It's so <laughs> yeah. condescending. And I was like, lady, like, people know how panels work. That's not the point. And she didn't even watch the video. Yeah. She didn't watch it, but she was commenting on it. Because and people were more invested in defending Natalie Dormer than validating the experience as a woman of color. Exactly. And that is so sad, you know, like, because you could listen. You could just listen. And well, there was this one commenter who is presumably a white person who wrote into, like, race bending, like, well, if it's not okay for us to talk about race or we want us to talk about race and we're talking over you, then what do you want us to do? And it's like, don't talk over people. <laughs> Like, it's not like the only two options are don't talk about race or talk over people of color. Right, right. Yeah. Encourage the conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible for Natalie Dormer to be like, um, what do you think, Nicole? Or, you know, <laughs> what do you think, Nicole, about how, you know. Well, she I might was, be putting her on the spot, too, though. You don't I might be, be putting her on the spot, but, like, she kind of cut 
off the yeah. conversation. And She's it would be her. interesting if she'd said not even like, what, what do you think, Nicole? Or maybe just like, I'm sure for Nicole, it's different. She could have just said that. Something, right? Yeah. Because when she went on her whole spiel about European films, oh, I was no, like, no, honey, no, no. oh, honey. <laughs> You cannot be serious. Yeah. Oh, people can be older. They can be, darling, they can also be white <laughs> and old. Like, what do you mean? They can, like, I just, it's such pretentious bullshit. We're so going yeah. off right now. Well, people don't do the intersectional thing. We're supposed to be having happy talks. Oh, <laughs> right. We're just, like, going off. Sorry. That was just a extremely disappointing panel. And, like, the more that I consider the fact that the reason why last year's panel wasn't put on was because of how honest yeah they were the more i just i'm so disappointed and also in how this. diverse that panel was which oh, is probably yeah. why i got so much flack yeah yeah there, there, was was there was black representation there was asian representation yeah mm-hmm. it was maggie yeah, white woman represented too yeah Did who was in charge of maggie, it was maggie q denai guerrera um michelle rodriguez katie right. sackoff tatiana yeah. maslani who was in charge of this one this year like i don't know a lot of the women color, like, it was just Nicole was her first time. Yeah. So she didn't know, I guess she didn't know what to expect either. Or maybe she did, and that's why she didn't talk that much. But um, mm. the, the not to blame Natalie Dormer, because that's not what we were trying to do. We were just wanting to point out that she wasn't very aware. And Yeah. But and you know what? The, Even in my initial criticism, I also, like, linked to other white actors who did, who the, did same. the same. So the fact that people latched on to the fact that Natalie Dormer was being criticized just well, bullshit. Well, Tumblr's queen. Because yeah, it's not focusing on the systemic problem it, it's happened to viola davis it's happened to carrie washington mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and it, it's usually their white women peers and that really sucks because yeah. when they try and talk about the racism they experience you know their their experience gets like invalidated or generalized to just something that all women face mm-hmm. it's like and a that's silence really cool. it's like a silencing tactic one thing i had a problem with was the moderator definitely and that was my main complaint, but the stuff with Natalie, like when I saw what she said, I was just like, uh uh-uh. uh. It just like mm-hmm. drove me over. I was just like, uh, don't even. I always feel like, well, one of my friends told me this and it really stuck with me. She was talking about allyship and safe spaces. And she said, it, you know, the conversation is really about knowing when to step forward, when to step backwards, and when to step to the side. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that's something that everyone needs to work on. But yeah. it was really missing in this specific situation, you know, yeah. knowing yeah. to step backwards or stepping to the side so women of color can have their experiences, you know, aired and treated with equal respect. gravity. Yeah. Yeah, and respect. But yeah, let's talk about what else you bet you did at Comic Con besides your pants. I interviewed the production and cast of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> <laughs> And I yes. was lucky I got there early, so I got to stand in the middle. Yes. Oh, that's so great. But then my camera died, and my recorder almost died, and I had to use oh. my iPad, and it was really weird and embarrassing. Oh. But, but no, it was cool. Do you want to listen to the recording? Yes, yes please. Let's, to it. Okay, let's do it. Let's try and sync this. Who's that coming down the street? Are they shovels or are they feet? and skin and bone. Ichabod, what a name. Kind of odd. But nice just the same. 
Wait, so I should preface this interview, too. So it was in front of the barn in the parking lot by Comic-Con where you could go try on this Oculus Rift thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Oculus Rift um, is this thing you put on your head, and it's like headphones. So you can't see anything other than the thing in the goggles that you're looking at, and then you have headphones on. Okay, yeah. So it feels like you're like immersed in the video because even when you turn your head, it feels like you're turning your head in the new space. Mm-hmm. Like, the camera turns with you. Cool. So, the video is, like, you're sitting in the forest, it's Sleepy Hollow, and then suddenly you hear footsteps coming up from behind you, so you can turn your head around and you'll see Ichabod Crane. You should not be here. This place, it is not safe. But the dividing line between brave and foolhardy is but a sliver. My name is Ichabod Crane, and you, I take it, are not from around here, or you would not brave the streets of Sleepy Hollow after dark. Did you hear that? And he's like, whoa, whoa, you're not supposed to be here. This is totally not safe. This is not safe. And then he's like, I think the Phantom Sportsman is running around in the woods. And then you hear all these, like, crickets and Do exactly as I say. Stay where you are. In the dark, in the fog, he might not detect you. I shall circle round to the street, cause a distraction, try to lure him away. Keep your wits about you and stay quiet. Your very life depends on it. And then he's like, okay, why don't you stay right here and hold very still? And then you'll be safe. I'll go get Abby to get help. And then he like runs away. And a few seconds later, you hear something coming up from behind you, and it's like the headless horseman. You chop off your head. All you can see is the leaves on the ground and his like, feet. And then he like picks you up, and you can see, his, you can see the headless horseman. Wow. And I'm like, Ichabod, is this freaking Jurassic Park? Like, oh, just stay very still. He won't notice you. Like, <laughs> thanks. And then at the end of the experience, um, you get a little Photoshop of your head on the ground next to the headless horseman. <laughs> Wow. That's really cool. Gustin Headless Horseman like outfits walking around taking pictures with people. Mm. They're like little babies up to them and there's like a screaming child. And actually, this is me noticing little things, but one of the Headless Horsemen was played by a POC. I thought that was kind of cool. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, all you could really see was his hands, but... You knew. <laughs> like this person, darker skin is cool. It's cool. <laughs> like, would Sleepy Hollow have been more interesting if, like, anybody but that Abraham guy was Hello? like Katrina's ex-boyfriend? Really? No, right. <laughs> oh, <seriously. laughs> yeah. Okay. It would have been cool if it was like George Washington. It would have been George cool. Washington. Yeah. It would make sense, but. It could. They could have found a way to make sense, okay? Because this is like all. So y'all want to listen to my interview? Yes, please. Okay, so we were standing in the sun. It was like an hour. Mm. All the journalists were starting to complain. Um, and I was next to a couple other fan journalists, including a Whedon, a Whedon journalist. 
Oh, from, from Whedon-esque? Like, I wonder if it was Whedon-esque or, or something. But she asked a lot of questions, so I want to apologize in advance because I feel like most of the interview is her talking. And I kind of had to fight her to get in, like, one question, and there was, like, 70 other people. And actually, the last line was really not diverse. It was really interesting. The it was, what? like, me uh-huh. and maybe, like, three or four other POC journalists. Mm. The rest were all white people. So it felt really weird because Sleepy Hollow is super diverse. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Play. Play. Mark Goffman, executive producer. Mark, did you, did you really expect to have this kind of a reaction to the show after the first season? This kind of reaction is just amazing. It's what you dream of. You know, you create a show, and this one, I think, was conceived a lot for fans that you would find at Comic-Con. And the fact that they've embraced the show in the way that they have just is incredibly gratifying. Well, and I think it's, it speaks to how well you've developed the show and taken the mythologies and just said, yeah, we're going with it, but we're also kind of tweaking it a little. Are you guys yeah. planning to do a lot more of that as we move forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, the premise of the initial pilot was so crazy, and the fact that everybody just went with that, we as uh, creators of the show and as writers have continued to just, every episode tried to make that as crazy and as, you know. So that's the producer of the can. show. So you have mm-hmm. years and years of uh, material ready for us? And that's the that Whedon that? person talking. So. Weeks and weeks, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with that. Sleepy Hollow is one of the most diverse TV shows on television. Do you think that's contributed to the success of the That was me. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely, uh, I mean, we're super proud of that. And, you know, uh, I think that, that it, what it reflects is, is a real change, I think, in the way that it works and, and movie studios are really looking at who's going to see movies. And I, hopefully it reflects a more accurate portrayal of, of mm, who we all are. And it becomes organic to the storytelling. We're able to tell a lot of stories about different cultures, different um, mythologies. It all just works really well and blends into uh, what we're trying to do with the show. Now, do you guys have, like, a Bible kind of written on where you kind of want the show to go and where you're going forward? Because I know the mythology is pretty strong in the show, and it has a pretty set rule, things like that. So do you guys really kind of have the idea on where you're going, at least, or do you kind of come up with ideas as you go along as well? One of the things we do at the beginning of the year is plan where we're going to end. And once you know where you're going to end that year, you know what you're building toward. And then you, you put your stakes in the ground and you, you figure out what your mythology is going to be. You so they don't have a Bible? Springboard you into I don't know. Problems for the following season. Um, you also want to leave enough room to find surprises and things you didn't expect along the way. Because there's wonderful gifts that come along when you, gifts when you know where gifts? you're going. <laughs> gifts. Um, so we, we wonderful gifts. <laughs> that there is. When um, American school children start answering, putting down Ichabod Crane as one of our founding fathers <laughs> on our American history test, we consider that like a banner success of yeah. Ichabod the Crane. I think Ichabod would say it's the downfall of civilization. Yeah, that's right. but yeah he, he might, but one of the things we really try hard to do on the show is give the perspective of what we're doing today in society through the lens of Ichabod Crane, really? who was there at the Not Abby? Okay. So I hope Sorry. that does give a little bit of, you know, enlightenment. So he's going to critique the uh, war on drugs, most right? Most of our twistery, most of the I little pieces so. of, of uh, textbook history starts with a kernel of truth. So whether it's the fact that George Washington's doctors really did try to resurrect him three days after he died, or Benjamin Franklin was experimenting with electricity, 
we take these real events and then we sort of uh, pull back the veil and, and give a sleepy hollow tryst, which I think is keeping people interested. So hopefully they'll go and, and look for what really happened. Is there any dream past that you have in mind? Damn, she's like firing off these questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, really I should say guest stars. <laughs> you know, one one that we will have this year is Tim Busfield is going to be playing Benjamin Franklin, and we couldn't be more thrilled about that. Sexist Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. So that was the interview with the producers. Mm. This is Lindsay. Lindy, sorry, Lindy. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'm Lindy Greenwood, and I'm by Jenny Mills. Thank you. So, how's the reaction to Comic-Con this year? Are you pretty excited? I'm super excited. Um, the panel yesterday was so warm and welcoming, and the questions were so thoughtful. The fans are really smart. Yeah, yeah surprising considering the show. Yeah. So, are you... Are Not you all the fans. Too? Uh, to do a lot more sister stuff as the season continues? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not really what I plan, it's what the writers and producers plan, but yeah, there, there's definitely more exploration of Jenny's and, and Abby's relationship, and um, I think that's something that the audience has really yeah, responded it's to. It's really nice to see such a strong, strong sister duo. Um, we haven't really seen that before. Like, literally strong sister. Yeah, in many senses of the word, yeah. So. That's great, and just the entire, just the whole concept of not just guys, but just guys, but it's no. the women as well. It's, yeah. it's a really great show in yeah. terms of just getting it across the spectrum. It really yeah. is. Yeah, thank you. Now, if you she keeps talking. Last season, what was, it's really awkward. Was a highlight episode or scene that Jenny had? Um, I would say one of my favorites was uh, the getting the kid possessed um, and work with uh, Chris Brown. I really loved doing that possession scene. Um, and that was a great episode because I felt like Jenny and Abby really connected for the first time when when the demon was finally exercised yeah, and, and uh, Jenny and Abby really finally sort of took a breath yeah. and took a hug and that was really important because that was when they really connected again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jenny is a unique representation of people on television who are identified as having mental illness. And so I'm wondering, like, what your thoughts are on that role and kind of how that That's me again. Good question. It's, it's interesting because Jenny has, uh, well, she's misrepresented, and um, there was a scene that was cut, unfortunately, from 106, uh, where Jenny has a really good friend in the, in the mm-hmm. asylum, and um, I really wish that we had shown a bit more of that world, because I think that it's important. I volunteered in mental health facilities in Toronto um, to realize that these are problems that everyone can face, and they're not so... They shouldn't, there shouldn't be things that we don't talk about. There should be things that are accessible. And I think the, the more that we have a dialogue, the better we'll, we'll be able to understand these issues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really play that much into the character, but I like the conversation in general. Yeah. So we should get rid of that stigma. Get rid of the stigma, definitely. And talk about it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And right up here, guys, Tom Mice and Nicole Bahari. Any questions? I love it together. Hello! Oh, uh, Tom Mice and Sleepy Hollow. Nicole Bahari from Sleepy Hollow. Just like Abby. Your reaction to Comic Con this year? A little overwhelming? Yeah, it's nice to, to, you know, last year there was such a positive reaction to the, because we premiered the pilot here last year. 
and you know people really seem to go with it and so we were looking forward to this year and we got oh to you know i think i saw the video of this season two and it's just nice even more people went for it it's um we're we're stuck in a bubble where we're shooting we're working all the time and so it's not like when you do a play and you can gauge audience reaction as you're going along or if you're doing a film you can watch it in the cinema and so it's nice to see what the, the viewers where do you get that traction we have our own barn yeah. you know, we, we have our own barn last year we came here and our show okay. hadn't aired so like we're so glad to have everyone here and yesterday when we did our panel so thank you for cutting her off Nicole you know, so that was just yeah amazing. It's, it's amazing oh everyone wants to show I mean it's, it's you get this whole keeps talking whole yeah, like, yeah. I'm not here like, Nicole but that city hall is really fun you know because it's they, they tap oh, God. the history or the yeah. historical aspect and then they just go along for the ride that's very nice <laughs> oh yeah absolutely you're covering all the spectrums and by the way yes you do have a fancy bodyguard yeah, that I do too oh okay Three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great photo. Such a big fandom. You know, what's, what's your reaction to the fan fiction, the fan art, and all those things? I mean, Good job. Other than a massive compliment. Had to engaging in the show. And we've said lots of times before, when you see oh people... Oh, my God, I cannot believe you uh, were near them. <laughs> and the drawing and their painting. To know that we're doing work that inspires people to create their own stuff. Not I was really trying to ask about shipping, Tom. damn it. Yeah. And Tom, Tom was born for this. Look at him. He's just, like, ready for it. I'm in heaven, man. <laughs> Great. Tom, I'm going to bring you up, guys. So I'm going to bring you up. Oh, that was really short. That's because what's-her-face kept talking. Yeah. Oh, you know what was really weird was in between this and Orlando Jones, she kept saying, like, Oh, I'm going to let you talk now to the one person who wants to ask Orlando Jones a question. Oh my god, that's rude. I was like, you don't tell someone you're going to let them talk now. That's so embarrassing. Don't do that. Yes, absolutely. I'm here to answer your questions. Please be quick about it. She has me on a timer. I would hang out longer. I just want to say um, thank you so much for being such an active part of Panda. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> it is so amazing to see such a positive a positive and a person who's actually on the show interacts with the fans and is willing to listen and talk to them. Because I remember when you were saying, okay, I see that this fandom is having problems. How do I not do that? And there are people who do that. So I guess, um, how is it interacting with that? How did you decide that you were really going to kind of put yourself out there? I'm a fan. We're all fans. You know, we, we all come from having seen something, been inspired by it, and wanted to be a part of it. So I don't really think my process is really that special. It's just I wanted to interact as a fan, not as an actor on the show. You know, I'm in fandom yeah. just like you are. I'm on AO3, I'm on Wattpad, and it's fun. So it's been a great interaction, but I think the best thing is it's not one size. I learn so much from the interaction because I get to have fun. You share your stuff with me. I share my stuff with you. It's fun. So I'm enjoying what the incredible experience that is for me. And I like to retweet and favorite all the haters, so it's awesome. <laughs> you have one of the best Twitter feeds out there, my friend. Thank you. It's fun. I just want to get you on a room and just have you all sit there and tweet each other. You know, Alicia and I were in a room together last night, actually. Oh, God. We were on the Transformative Works and Fandom panel. So, yeah, and I just joined the Gish Witches team. So, yeah. I'm excited. Baby Sharks. Baby. And so, for the, going back to the show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, what, what are we looking forward to seeing? You know, I think you, the, here's the best part. You won't get ahead of it. Where you think it's going, it sort of keeps turning. 
And I think that's the experience we're having when we get this grits. We're like, whoa, I thought we were, we're over here now. So it's really, it's a fun, fun ride. And I think it's still remaining fun. Oh, for you, it's actually obviously for us, it's the audience too, for sure. Oh, yeah. This means just beginning. Oh, I know. Exactly. The war is raging, so, yeah. Was so she the only one? one? We have time for like two more questions. questions. No, there yeah. is 70 people two there. Two more questions. This is important. Um, and I think there is, I mean, there's some great moments, uh, like I just got about Sally coming. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, if you want to, you know, if you really have a revolutionary opinion, or is it something that's so important to have this dialogue happening in a very popular show? So I would put it this way. I think what's really exciting is three things. One, that people got cast because of their ability as actors, not based on race or anything. There wasn't like an affirmative action or a quota system. That the women on the show are not subservient to the male characters and they sort of stand alone on their own, they have their own points of view. And the romantic relationship isn't the centrifugal force of their stories, which is awesome. And the show is clearly multicultural and that's groundbreaking. So it's, it's not lost on me that that's happening. I'm, I'm sort of very proud of it, but I'm mostly proud because it's not about that. It's just a fun ride with really cool characters. And those other things are cool extra things, but that's not what it's about. So for me, that's really special. Mm. All right, we've got to get going, Orlando. Sure. Well, that's easy. Superman. Batman ain't got no powers. You just this I'm just saying. I mean, I, Superman got powers. Laser vision, flashes, capes. That is kryptonite. Scared of rocks. Come on. Ah, that's the Batman's sexier. Right? Batman's sexier. Superman's kind of like the clean, like you marry Superman. You, you just want to have sex with Batman. That's all. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. So that was the interview. So I don't know if you at the end. She was trying to ask him about that dialogue about Sally Hemings. Yeah. Which is like, a it's not a boat really thing to ask. But then yeah. you have kind of a canned response about diversity. Right. So and about weird. women's plot lines not being the force their stories revolve around, which is news to me given Katrina's plot line. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but maybe he was only thinking about women of color on the show, which is different. Yeah, he was just only thinking of the women of color. But it's interesting that no one includes Katrina. Like ever. Well, I mean... <laughs> she was Line too. She just didn't come over to where I was standing. Of course, he didn't even answer it. Maybe because he got so much crap for it from women of color. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Called him out for making a joke about that, and I'm still upset about that because his his uh, apology his apology was not good. It's just like you need to stop making these jokes about like um, women who are essentially raped because they couldn't consent. Especially when they were like, I mean, they were 15, 14. How old was she when she had her first kid? She was 14 when he started sleeping with her. Right. Like, it's well established it was after the She was a child. You can't make jokes about that. She was also like the half sister of his wife. Right. But a slave. Like, yeah. there's some fucked up shit. Right. And it's just like, you know, treat it seriously. I'm like tired of black men not treating the like, degradation of black women seriously you know what i mean yeah well, and on the show ichabod was like more offended that that he like that thomas jefferson slept with a slave than like what happened necessarily what happened to sally hemmings you don't right. see him going like oh but wait shit yeah right. you know i met this girl 
Yeah. When I saw Thomas Jefferson and she was like a little kid. He's not like distraught over what happened to Sally Hemings. He's distraught because then Thomas Jefferson isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. And that fucking sucks. And it sucks. Because it could have been a moment where he was like, oh, this guy I was friends with was a child rapist. You know, but I I don't think they would go that into it, but like they could have, he could have condemned it differently. You know what I mean? Like acted at least. It was kind of a punchline on the show. Yeah. I don't know. We've well, we've talked about that before, haven't we? But the thing that's interesting about Orlando's comments is that he's like, "Oh, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about race." But it is about race, essentially. It's politicized, whether you want it to be or not. Like Abby is a black woman. You can't just it, it's it's borderline colorblind BS, which I don't really like. Like, I understand what they're saying, but it's it's not about race exactly. It's just it happens that these characters are people of color and they're being portrayed in a really dynamic way, right? They don't make it about, like, issues, right? Even though they do discuss certain issues and certain issues do come up because Abby's black, her sister's black, there are black people on the show, there are Latino people on the show, there are some Asian people on the show as well. We can't ignore what that means, and the kind of characters they're playing and what it means for, like, in the narrative, you know what I mean? So when you say it's not about race, it's like, mm, kind of, you're kind of lying to yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, even the war itself that they're just depicting historically, the Revolutionary War, was started in part because of race. Right. And this fear that if we, like, didn't become an independent country, like, then, oh, no, Americans wouldn't be able to own slaves anymore. Right. And... I, I just think it's it's kind of like when we talk about, this is a weird example, but like when we talk about hair, for example, with black women's hair, it's always politicized, even though we're like, people are like, it's just hair. It's not just hair. There's a lot of um, social and historical context to that type of hair, right? And a lot of history. And so when you're seeing Abby being portrayed on the show, there's a lot of like social and historical context for this. Like she's one of the few black women who's headlining a show on TV. Um, The fact that she's been treated as an all American woman, like, you know, like the all, like she's the it girl, right? She's like the woman that you want to be, which is really interesting because you never see portrayals like that anymore, at least of black women. Right. So, there are different layers that you have to consider when you're discussing someone like Abby, right? So um, Orlando recently did something. I think he replied, he like reblogged a post that somebody made about how no one ever, everyone's always like ready to be like, oh, romance is, you know, romance is not that important for the show. It can't be a focus on the show because they have to save, you know, they have to save the world and the apocalypse is happening, right? And it's always in reference to Abby. It's never in reference to Ichabod. Like, Ichabod can have all the romance he wants. Right. He can have, like, all the... He can have all this focus on his love life, right? Ex-girlfriend, Betsy his Ross, and all that shit. et cetera. Yeah. You know, he gets... And we're not afraid that's going to be a cliche. Right. Right. And, and we're not afraid that it's going to distract from the plot, right? No one ever asks Tom questions like that. It's always Nicole that they're at, they're directing these questions to um, and always saying things like, oh, but they don't have time for that, you know? And she they put her in a really bad position. Yeah. 
for her to You know be- what? I hope we get the chance to ask Tom this question um, at New York Comic Con, which oh he better God. attend. Totally- because we should ask that. We should be like, you know... Are you afraid your romance is going to distract right. from the apocalypse? Because all we're seeing is about your relationships. Right. You know, like he never gets asked that question. It's always like somebody implying something like the romance is going to be too distracting if it were yeah. to happen with Abby. Or like, oh, we hope Abby's relationships don't take over. It's like, what? Tom, or- what's it like to have a character whose plot revolves around his romance? <laughs> right? And, yes, and another thing, the point the point that Rebecca was making as well was that all the other women um, on that panel, the women who kick ass panel, all had love interests, right? Um, and they weren't treated, and they were all white women, and their love lives weren't treated as something that would necessarily like usurp their story, right? But for some reason, Nicole always like, gets asked questions like that, or Abby. You know, Abby can never have that same kind of focus that Ichabod has. And I think it's totally unfair. And it's like, it's completely biased. I don't know. It just really, it it like annoys me. And the fact that Orlando replied to that and was kind of like, he's kind of trying to mediate. And he just ended up saying something like, he ended up treating like both, treating both sides that, that they, like they had the same argument. Like they were equally valid the ones who were saying oh she's a strong black woman she doesn't need a man and the ones who were saying um that's not okay we're not okay with that portrayal because so this was on tumblr yeah sorry i was like he did in the interview no No, this is on tumblr he did it on tumblr and it was just really it, it it was just not helpful he was trying to like be neutral and it just came off really unhelpful because then people were reblogging it and were like oh look arlando agrees with us that our point is valid that she doesn't need a man blah 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 and i was just like oh my god you're undermining everything that we're trying to you know explain to people about why it's important for abby's relationships romantic and otherwise to be shown front and center even if it has to be with Ichabod in four years, you know, no one's saying, oh, we want this right now. But it's just like they have really good chemistry and they, the producers literally said it will be a well, they won't their relationship. So the fact that people are acting like brand new about it, like they don't know, like it shouldn't happen or it will never happen. is just kind right. of bizarre to me. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I think the problem with the argument that that maybe even Orlando Jones necessarily didn't notice is like how how along racial lines it is that generally the people who don't want Abby to get together with Ichabod, a lot of them justify their arguments with really coded racist language the same way people talk about Brayden or yeah you know or other black women who are jonesing for the white male lead mm-hmm. so. When it's from that kind of, like, deconstructing that kind of narrative and not just, like, oh, one side wants her to be this and one side wants her to be that. There's no way she could possibly be both. Mm-hmm. Therefore, both sides are valid. You're missing, like, that that element of racially coded language and fan discourse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, his answer was kind of not what we were looking for. Hopefully, we, if we Yeah, I was like, on... oh, my gosh, Sally Hemings, you can say something about that now. Mm-hmm. but he didn't yeah <laughs> I mean hopefully if he's there and if we're there 
at, I mean, we're going to be there at, at New York City Comic Con. There's no way we're not going to be there. Right. But we hope the Sleepy Hollow cast would be there because we've got, I'm thinking up, you know, some a couple of questions for Nicole, um, like interesting questions that, go, I mean, she just gets really shitty questions. Yeah, all the honest. time. We're going to change. I mean, it's not because media doesn't know how to handle a woman of color in such a prominent lead role. I don't know. And I don't know. Like, some of the questions are just straight up, like, you're asking her about romance again. I was like, I yeah. can see her getting annoyed with it. And that's I why can... she's that's why she's backed off. It could be so much. She's yeah. just like, she doesn't even want to answer questions about it anymore. And you know what? Also, I, one thing I noticed is that sometimes when interviewers will ask her questions, they'll answer the question for her, like in the question. Like they'll say, yeah, so, you know, what's it like, um, you know, with the Ikebi ships, you know, especially when you're playing such a strong female character, you don't want this kind of room. Like they're not giving her the chance to even put her own, give her own response. They're basically saying you are a strong female character. You should not have love relationships, but I'm still going to act like I'm asking you how you feel about it. You know what I mean? Like I've seen her be asked questions in that particular way sometimes and it's annoying as fuck. They, I wish they would give her a chance to answer because that's what happened in the in the um, woman who kicked ass panel when they asked her about it could be it was like the way the the monitor asked the question it was like the question was already you basically already said what you wanted um, Nicole's answer to be like. Are really sexy. Yeah. So this is a new couple on Teen Wolf between Brayden, who is a beautiful, beautiful black woman slash assassin slash just awesome, and then Derek she's not an Hale. assassin. She's a mercenary, so she finds people for money. Mercenary. Is she a no. Is she a vampire? No, no. she's human. We think she's okay. human. Yes, we think she's human. And then Derek, who is like the, he's a werewolf. He's tragic, and his oh, past relationships. Well, not anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I should spoil this. He's kind okay. of going through. Some, he's going through some shit right now. And Derek is the broody one. Yes, he is the broody one, and he's yeah. notoriously had really shitty relationships. So the reason why this relationship is so important is not just because it's obviously an interracial couple, but also because he, he he trusts her, and he has no reason not to trust her, and she's good for him. And the white girls are just crying and is crying. one that they normally ship with the lead's nerdy best friend? Who yes. Is a dude. Yes. Oh, Derek. so the, like, shippers of the, like, gay couple that actually isn't okay. canonical. Yes. 
depicted as gay mm-hmm. are upset because their white male faves got interrupted mm-hmm. by a black chick. Why does this sound like Merlin fandom? Wait, wait, yeah, yeah it kind of does, but it it's worse. Almost, yeah. oh, no, it's about the same. It's about There's there so probably many. some crossover, but okay. you know, also the other one has a girlfriend as well now. Right, so both of them have her, Love or her. just the black woman. No, um, the Styles. Other- the other part of the sh- of the steric ship, Styles. He has a girlfriend now too. Yeah, but she doesn't get as much hate. Know, is she a POC, and does she get no, as much she's hate? Not- she's no, not she's a POC. white, so obviously being white protects her from getting as much fandom hate. Right, right. but she gets some, obviously, mm. but not as much as Drake. Brayden. It's Brayden. And Brayden, people are suspicious of her. Oh, she's not good for him. Oh, honestly, she's a strong female character. I don't think she should be in, like, be serve as a love interest. I'm just like, fuck all of you, okay? Because <laughs> they definitely fucked on a table, and I'm really happy about that. They fucked on a table? <laughs> when was it hotter than Game of Thrones' table fucking yes. scene? Please. Yes, so much hotter. Yes, because you don't see everything, so you get to have stuff left to the imagination. Plus, it was on a bunch of guns. Yes. And it was in Jamie and Cersei, and there were guns. Yes. Were they and just, like, making guns together when suddenly no. they decided no, to make out shoot, on the table? She was teaching him how to shoot. And oh, does he not know how to shoot things because he's a wolf? Yeah. Yeah. So she was just like, well, now that you're in trouble, you need to learn how to, like, defend yourself like a human. And so she was teaching him how to shoot. And it just got so sexy so fast. It was amazing. (laughs) You don't understand? It was, like, amazing. He, like, went in to kiss her. And it was the best. And then he, like, lifted her up and, like, put her on the table. he initiated it. It was amazing. So was it sexier than the sex scenes in, like, Scandal? And Yes. Fuck yes. I can't stand Scandal. So you can't You can't ask me that. Oh, God, um, so beautiful. Because it's Ugh. not as creepy. And when he's around her, he's smiling. He's, like, giggles. It's, like, he's totally into her. And it's funny because there are a lot of people who are fans of Derek who are just, like, I'm tired of Derek being sad all the time. But, like, now that he's happy with a black woman, apparently that's, like, uh-huh. not good enough, you know? Uh-huh. Whatever. It's classic. I mean, it's classic. It happens in every single fandom I've been a part of where a black woman was going to be introduced as a love interest like every single time strong female character who don't need no man and we're just and of course all the black girls in the fandoms are like you guys know this is a racist trope right yeah like all the time every single time it's the same excuses like there's one time i made this post i was like guess who this is about and everyone was guessing like martha jones from doctor who abby mills from sleepy hollow Mm -hmm. um Guinevere, even though Guinevere married Arthur, Guinevere from, you know, Merlin. Um, there's also uh, The Walking Dead with Michonne. And I think other shows as well. I can't even think of, I mean, like every single show. Twisted, Twisted. Lacey, that was, that was mm-hmm. epic. That was epic. What happened yeah. with her character. Totally sidelined for the white female. And like the way she was treated by Fanon was absolutely terrible. It's just like, Ridiculous. For Drayden, oh god, what an amazing, <laughs> amazing ship. Like that was a ship that everyone was saying from the jump needs to happen. Uh-huh. And the fact that it happened the so well too. I think it was beautifully handled, the progression of their relationship. Yeah. And Even though we could have gotten more, but I think like yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like his story is kind of actually 
kind of separate from the rest of the plot at the moment. Like he's dealing with some shit and the teenagers are off being teenagers. And oh, is world. she an adult or a teen wolf? Yes, she's an adult. There is, so it's like adult wolves. Yeah, yeah. he's like mm-hmm. an adult with an adult relationship. <laughs> how how long has she been on the show for? Well, for she, a while. They just didn't do anything with her for like a mm-hmm. season, right? Well, she came on um, and rescued a character and everybody loved her because she rescued one of their faves, right? When she was useful. Cool. When mm-hmm. she was useful in a certain way. They really loved it. But her. then when she pleasured their fave, then yeah. suddenly it was. <laughs> exactly. You know what's so interesting, I guess, as like an Asian American woman is like when an Asian woman on TV gets together with a white dude, I'm like not excited. I'm like waiting for some shit to go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, so my experience consuming media as an Asian woman is is sounds kind of different. Like I'm like, oh no, it's gonna be it's gonna be objectifying. It's gonna reduce her as a character. It's gonna mm-hmm. you stay away. You stay away from my fave. You know, yeah. so it but sounds there is, different. There is an Asian woman on the show as well, and that's her right. Arden Cho. Yep. Mm-hmm. And her, her relationship with Scott is handled really well. But Scott's not white, obviously. He's yeah. yeah a person. Although but you know what? what, his relationship, Scott's relationship with Kira, is definitely taking a backseat to um, Styles' relationship with Malia. Mm-hmm. Like. I feel like, personally, I feel like Malia has been way more developed than Kira has been. And, like, other than we, this episode was, like, the episode for the ships. Like, every mm-hmm. couple got a little bit of play. But for this past season, I've been really disappointed because it's, like, everything is about Styles and, and Malia, the two white heterosexual couple. And it's, like, like style, or Scott is the main character. He's a man of color. His girlfriend is a woman of color. And they're barely getting any screen time. It's just mm-hmm. bullshit. Like, I didn't sign up for this shit. I didn't vote for it. But that's what we're seeing. What happened to the said, chick in the pilot? The werewolf hunter chick. Oh, she she uh, exited stage. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not Sorry. complaining. I'm glad Arden shows work and yeah. Britain looks super sexy in the gifs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you know what, though? Like, for, for, to your earlier point, Marissa, I don't know if it's so much that we get excited when we see a black woman with a white man so much as it is it's triumphant in a way that because we know people are going to be angry but it's like we get to see our black female faves be happy whether it's it's with a white man or with a man of color it's it's more about them and how they're being portrayed as like loved and everything you know how like you don't often see that portrayal of black women. You see like yeah. these really terrible stereotypes, right, on screen. And so whether it's with a person who's white or not, mm-hmm. it's always like, yes, you know, we're being actually portrayed as human with humans with emotions and And it's just wonderful to troll the fandom. Like yeah. like the, the, <laughs> like when you're in the Drayden tag and everyone's like, Yes, he's gonna <laughs> fuck her. Like, people it's so funny because like people were in the tag and they're just like honestly I just don't feel like she's right and then and then like for every one comment where people were just like oh my god they're just not perfect with each other they're like 20 comments they're, just like, they're like they're gonna yeah. bang like, it's just so great it's great it's because so funny. like I think there's a solidarity there which is like we know that this angers you and we know why this angers you whether you are willing to admit it or not and we don't give a fuck like we are going to enjoy this while it lasts mm-hmm. I swear to god they kill her off I'm done with this show like I thought I was done with the show like when I saw that they were sidelining Kira I was just like listen mm-hmm. 
don't fuck with my fave like that, but... Yeah. Um, I think for certain Asian characters, though, like, you know how um, Pacific Rim, there was Ra- Raleigh and... Why am I... Mako? Oh, my God. Mako. Mako. Why yeah, I, I, I wasn't here for him either, though. I you know. know. And the original script was so freaking racist yeah. in that, like, sexy Asian girl sort of way. Like, I get nervous when the love interest is a white dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I've seen it done in such an inauthentic and creepy and racist way so many times. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like the Drayden thing is like that. It sounds like on the show it's done in a really earnest and mm-hmm. cute. And yeah, it's really hot. cute. <laughs> in, like, interesting way. So that that's that's good to hear and good to see. Like, Lord knows we need better depictions of women of color on TV. So, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so we're really excited that we got distracted by this earlier. I missed some parts of it, so I'm going to have to watch the episode again. But yeah. I'll just keep looking at just on Tumblr and wondering what's up. Yeah. And you guys tell me if it crashes and burns. And if it's not, maybe I'll like watch. Maybe. Like the season of yeah. Teen Wolf. I don't know. She's a pretty great character. Especially mm-hmm. since she's, she, um, she's like a... a a different trope. She's like the warrior. She's kind of like, you know, um, kind of a loner. She's out for the money and she's very unapologetic about it. And mm. it just really, it's really interesting to see like a female character playing that kind of heroic role. Mm-hmm. Um, where she, like Derek is her love interest kind of, you know, she's yeah. not the love interest. Derek is her love interest and Derek is trying to like, like, he makes the first move. He's right. flirting with her. Yeah, that's true. Yep. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to wrap it up now and float around for the rest of the summer. So please follow us on Tumblr and on iTunes. And when we record, we will pop up there. And we'll see you again when the TV season hits in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping to get some cool podcasts out, including um, our related breakdown of the first chapter for Arya. Maybe something not related to Game of Thrones at all for once, so. Mm-hmm. How it goes. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.